So, Father, bless your word today. Bless the ears that will hear your word. Bless the hearts that the seed will be sown into. And, Father, allow this word to produce fruit, revelation, knowledge, some 30, some 60. But, Father, my prayer is that somebody will walk out of here today with 100-fold production because of the condition of their heart as they hear. And we'll give you all the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Just love anybody near you today. Minister to them. Uh, be kind to them, and then you can be seated. Thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. So this month, we're focusing on the subject of connect to health. And of course, there are three aspects to your health. There's spiritual health, there's mental health, and then there's physical health. My assignment this month is to really minister on spiritual health. We're bringing in, I believe, one of the best in the country, Dr. Caroline Leaf. She'll focus on mental health. Now, there are three sessions, okay? Saturday morning, don't miss that. There's some wonderful workshops for you after that. And then she has two sessions on Sunday morning. We're bringing one of the best stand in the country on the subject of mental health. So please come out and allow that to be a blessing. And then we'll have seven or eight-time Mr. Olympian. Uh, Lee Haney will be here on Wednesday to talk to us that following Wednesday about uh, physical health, okay? On last week, we introduced to you all uh, really the subject of connected health, focusing on the spiritual side of it. Biggest thing, takeaway, is God's heart is for you to live long and live a fulfilled and sustained life that's full of health and strength. How many of y'all want to believe God for that, right? We don't want to just hang around at 80. We want to be around, but we want to be sustained by health and strength, okay? And then the first point that we, we really want to get into, I introduced it last week, is really that this revelation will cause you to live long and see many good days. And so, if you would, just go back last week. All of the notes from last week are in our version Bible app, as well as our linked up app. The notes for today are on there as well. So, if you want that information to add to this, go back, listen to that. I want to get right to where we left off uh, on last week. And so, we're going to do Point number one today, which is revelation to live a long and healthy life. And they're lettered up underneath that. So the first point is letter A. Jesus destroyed the power of death at the cross. Jesus destroyed the power of death at the cross. If you all would, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2. And let's read verses 14 and 15. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. Jesus destroyed the power of death at the cross. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power or the authority of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their life subject to bondage. So we all know that God never create, created human beings to die. How many of y'all believe that? He didn't create us to die. How many know he's not the God of the dead? He's the God of the living. When Adam sinned, right, he turned that authority over to Satan. And as a result, the death process began and death entered into the earth. Jesus went to the cross to destroy the individual who had the authority or the power over death, okay? And then he tells us why, and this is important for us to understand, 
because there will be a propaganda of fear like you have never seen in your lifetime in these last days. And they will promote it at levels that people will be scared to do anything and go any place if you don't understand that you have authority over sickness, disease, and death. Okay? Listen very carefully today. He tells you why. So that he could release those who through fear of death were their whole entire lifetime subject to bondage. Now, we all know people that worry about everything, right? Don't sleep too close to the window because lightning, my whatever. I mean, we, there were all kind of superstitions in, in my family as we grew up, right? There's just all kind of stuff out here, folks. People, if they don't get this, they can be subject their entire lifetime to fear and live in bondage to that. You know, the, the really the reality is people are not afraid to fly. They're not afraid of airplanes. They're afraid of dying. So they won't get on an airplane because they believe the plane might crash while they're on it. How I many know that's a horrible way to live? Why drive nine hours somewhere when you can get there in an hour and a half on a plane? How I many know you can get in a car accident just like a plane could crash? People aren't afraid of roller coasters. People are afraid that the roller coaster will jump off the tracks while they're riding on it. People aren't afraid of bugs. They're afraid that the bugs will kill them. Bugs. I know people that will see a spider and scream like it's a cobra snake. People aren't afraid of snakes. They're afraid that snakes will kill them. I have an uncle that, it, I didn't say this in the first service because he watches these services. <laughs> but I have an uncle that if he sees a snake on, on television, he screams. That's, uh, I'm going to just move on from that. Big grown man. I'm like, uncle, the, the snake is inside the TV on the screen. It's not coming near you. And he is literally screaming. So much, he has such a fear of bugs that one time he was riding his bike and a bee landed on his hand. He just lost it man, tried, and, and fell off the bike, broke his elbow, his wrist. I said, Unc, which would have been simpler, to get stung by the bee or break your wrist and your elbow? Which one do you all think would have been easier? Get stung by the bee. All right, and so I really want to make this clear today. Jesus came to not just destroy the person that had the power and authority of death. He came to free you from the fear of it so that you would not be in bondage to it your entire lifetime. If you don't get over this, there are a lot of people that can't get married because they have a fear of it not working. Why? Because of previous things that happened to them in their past. I mean, you've got to let Jesus through the blood liberate you from that. Everyone is not a bad person. God wants to send someone into your life to help you forget that you were ever in a relationship prior to that. God can deliver you so much that you never even know that you went through what you went through. If you will allow him to. All right, so now this is an important point. So the, one of the main reasons that Christ came was to die for our sins. But he also came to destroy death. Let's not forget that today, okay? Because I'm going to work on something, right? You know why people don't want to age? 
because they know aging means eventually I'll die. If you can receive this by faith, too early with this group to say it. Let her be, let her be. The blood of Christ has removed all of our sins judicially. So now we're talking about legally. Justice was served for us in the high court of heaven. So the blood of Christ has removed all of our sins judicially. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 9 and let's begin reading at verse 13. Okay? So point letter A, Jesus destroyed the power of death at the, at the cross. The blood of Christ, letter B, has removed all of our sins judicially. So we're talking about legally. The claims of justice have been served in the high court of heaven. Okay? Now, let's read Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, Old Testament articles and utensils, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, referring to his deity, offered himself without spot to God, cleanse, that word cleanse means to purify your conscience, which is your moral perception from dead works, which is talking about all sin in general. Watch this, to serve the living God. Now, I, I want to go somewhere with this today because if you don't understand that your conscience through the blood of Jesus has literally been purged, cleansed, and purified, then you will always have a sin consciousness and not a faith or righteousness consciousness. And I'll explain what I mean here. Notice what he said here in verse 15. It says here, and the reason he is the mediator, right? And the reason he is the mediator or the go-between of the new covenant by means of death or for the redemption of the transgressions that are under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. So let's talk about a few things here. You know, people are so aware of what they do wrong, it stops them from serving God. One of the greatest ways to demonstrate that I am spiritually healthy is to be on a dream team and serve God. You know what you're saying is that I'm not who I used to be. And God has brought me to a place now where he can use me to help other people. You know what Satan always wants to remind you of? Of what you did yesterday, of what you did last week. You know how many people are sitting around saying, when I get this together, then I'll serve. And I came to tell you, if the blood of Jesus can't do it for you, you'll never be able to do it for yourself. You don't get yourself together and then you serve. No, you come to Christ. Christ gets you together and then you serve. You all understand the difference? If you could do it on your own, you would already have it done. It's something you have to receive by faith. I am not a sinner, folks, saved by grace. No, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I used to be a sinner, but now God saved me by his grace. 
and I'm no longer the man that I used to be. Everything that I've done wrong, past, present, and future, has already been washed in the blood of Jesus. I have no consciousness, no recollection of it, and I am free to serve God with everything that I have because His blood has washed me, it has cleansed me, and it has removed the memory of it from my conscience. And you need to understand that because it will keep you in bondage for the rest of your life if you don't understand that everything that you've ever done, he's already removed it, he's already forgiven you, he's already cleansed you. There's nothing you can do to be any more pure and cleansed in God's eyes today than you are, than you are right now. There's nothing more you can do because there's nothing you did to receive that. The only thing you can do is receive it and believe it and it is yours. Somebody say, I am free from every level of sin in my mind and my body. Say, the blood of Jesus freed me from it. Go ahead and thank God for that right now. You got to get that. Right? You got to get that. That blesses me so much. He cleansed and purified our moral perception. Now, from dead works. Now, if you were like me, I haven't been saved all of my life. I used to wake up to sin. I'm plotting it all week long. How it's going down. I'm talking about prior to salvation. Right? Anybody here know what I'm talking about? Weekend, I mean, we would ask the question, you thinking or you drinking this weekend? Which one you doing, man? Some of, some of y'all ain't been saved your whole life. Don't look at me like that. I see you over there. I see that head over there, right? What I'm talking about is you can literally go from that to having no remembrance that you ever drank alcohol one time in your life and be completely free from it. Now, I'm going to put something else out here today. He said in that verse 15 that he was a mediator of a new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant. Why? So that those who are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Eternal speaks to forever. That is your inheritance. When your consciousness is morally clean and pure, folks, you have this revelation that you actually never die. Even though we lay down these physical bodies, I mean, we keep living. And there are some of us that won't even see death. We'll just be caught up in the air. I want to be in that rapture generation. It's going to take faith to hear to receive a whole lot of this today. Okay? You all want me to keep going a little bit more? Okay, so remember, if, if he came to destroy the authority that the person had over death, then that means death has no authority over us. Death does not tell us when to depart. We tell death when we're ready to depart. All right, let's keep going. Drop down to verse 23, Hebrews chapter 9. We're still there. Therefore, it was necessary that the copies or the patterns referring to the tabernacle and all of the various utensils of the things in heaven should be purified with these. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are the copies of the true, 
but into heaven itself, now to prepare in the presence of God for us, not that he should offer himself often, as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with the blood of another. So now I want to prove something to you today. Let me read this next verse. Then, or he then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world, but now once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So what he's describing here is that in the Old Testament, I mean, you know, the priest had to go into the Holy of Holies once a year on behalf of the people, and he had to bring perfect sacrifices of bulls and goats and lambs and whatever the requirement was, and he had to literally every single year, once a year, go into the Holy of Holies and then to present uh, on behalf of the people their sins so that God could forgive them. But how many know they tied a rope around him? Anybody know that why they tied a rope around him? They tied a rope around him with bells so that as long as they could hear the bells moving, they knew he was all right. The rope was around him just in case they heard a thud. You all know what I mean when I say a thud? He fell over. You didn't hear the bells anymore, and they said, pull him out. What this is saying is Jesus would have had to go every single year on our behalf if it was not for his perfect sacrifice. Scripture is telling us he went once and for all. Now, let's look at why he did that, because it'll take faith for you to receive this today. He went once and for all, as we just read, not so that he could cover your sins, which is what the blood of bulls and goats did, but so that he could remove it. How I many know sin is the foundation of death? It's what gave birth to it. So you're looking at two things here. He came to destroy the person that had the authority over death, and then he didn't cover your sins, he removed them. So if they have been removed, then you don't have them anymore. Talking about your consciousness being pure. Now, if you believe you still have them, that's why you struggle. Because you don't believe they've been removed. So how many of you can live your entire life? This is why we have carnal Christians. And then you can justify it and say that God made me this way. Well, hold on, hold on. Why would he remove it from you and then make you that way? Why would he go through that horrible crucifixion for you to struggle with cigarettes or alcohol? I submit to you today, if you'll allow your conscience to be purged and cleansed, you can look at a cigarette today and take authority over it because it represents death and say, I will never smoke you another day in my life in Jesus' name. And guess what? You can walk away free from it today. Yeah. Folks, you can go home today. That's good news for somebody in here. You can go home today and take alcohol that's right in your house, pour it in a cup. Look at the alcohol and say to God, thank you for removing the taste of alcohol out of my mouth. I will, I will no longer drink alcohol another day of my life and then pour that right down the sink and, and then God will purify your conscience and in your mind, you will believe that you never had a drinking problem. I'm trying to help somebody in this room today. Okay? But you've got to believe that. How many know it takes faith to believe that? Our challenge is we actually trust fear more than we trust faith. Yeah. 
right? And that's why we conduct ourselves the way that we do. But if we'll believe God, how I many know he's done for us everything he can do? So we need to stop saying, take this lust from me, God. He already took it over 22,000 years ago. How many of you feed lust, you'll have a problem with lust? If I keep putting it in, it's going to keep challenging me. But if I believe I'm free from it, then I just walk away free from it. And this is possible, folks. Somebody say, I am free. By the blood of Jesus. Say, my mind is free. My body is free. My spirit is free. In Jesus' name. Would somebody thank God for that today? Okay. So let me throw a statement out here and let me see if you can receive it. Because of Jesus' perfect sacrifice, we can have a perfect conscience. A perfect one. Because he's our mediator, right? So how many of y'all know I've made mistakes this year that might even disqualify me? Some of the thoughts that go through my mind. might even disqualify me. And if I focus on those thoughts, then I'll wake up and think I'm not worthy to pastor linked up church. And how I many know I'm too sin consciousness now, right? Or I can approach that this way. No, Satan, I take authority over you right now. Jesus Christ has already forgiven me of that. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and I am called to preach, and I will do it with everything that I have in me in Jesus' name. You see how the enemy will fight you almost every single day, and you won't move forward in the things of God because he's going to always remind you of what you did. And when he reminds you of your past, you must learn how to remind him of his future. And don't accept those lies. And the way you go into the Father, you don't go based off of anything that you've done. I mean, no, that's why we have a perfect mediator. And the father doesn't even see you. He sees his son and the blood and the price that was paid for you. So don't go in there representing yourself. Father, I tithe. I serve. I, I mean, you don't want to go in there like that because he might show you some other stuff you do too. I'm not getting a whole lot of amens in here today. But you want to go in there a little bit more humble than that and say, Father, because of the blood of Jesus, I have a perfect conscience and I have perfect access to you so that I can come boldly and obtain grace and mercy and help in my time of need. And the Father is not going to see you and anything that you've done. He's going to see his son, Jesus, and the blood and the price that was paid for you. Jesus is in there mediating on your behalf. He's saying, Father, I know that they've done all of that, but I've forgiven them from it, and the blood is here on the mercy seat. And Father, I plead the blood on their behalf. If you can't do it for them, Father, then do it for me because I paid the price for them. That's a whole lot different than you going in there based off of your merit. Last thing you ever want to say is, God, I tithe, so why did this happen to me? Because how many know you don't want him to start showing you stuff? God, I serve. How come other people? See, no, you don't want to do all that. Because, I mean, God knows everything about you. I just want to go in there and be thankful that I can come in there. Come on, somebody. I, I just want to go in there and thank you for allowing me to be here, Father. 
right? And, and thank Jesus while I'm in there for paying the price to give me that access. All right, let's keep going today. So now, now let her see. Another reason Jesus came was to destroy death. So he's destroyed the power of the authority of the one that had death. He removed sin. Now he also came to destroy death, period, right? Let's look at John chapter 11, verses 33 through 36. It says here, Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Now, you know, Jesus was 100% God, but he was also 100% man. Now, how many of y'all know he knows he's getting ready to raise Lazarus from the grave? So why is he groaning, and why is he weeping, and why is he crying if he already knows he's getting ready to raise Lazarus from the grave? Let's look at it a couple of ways, right? Because he was 100% man and 100% God, even though he was 100% God, he didn't walk the earth that way. He walked the earth as a man anointed by God. You learn in Bible school that that's called the hypostatic union, okay? So he was both at the same time, but he didn't use his deity while he was on earth. He trusted the Father to anoint him to do what he was called to do while he was on earth. Is that clear? All right, let's read. Now, let's understand. So then it says, where have you laid him? Jesus said, where have you laid him? They said, Lord, come and see. Then it says, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? So this is an indication, folks, that God hates death. That's why he's weeping and groaning, because he knows that he never created man to die. I mean, he never wanted us to go through the grieving process, tear us away from our family and friends. That wasn't his will for us. Right? Everybody believe that? was not his will for us. So Jesus wept at that tomb. So even though he knew he was going to raise him from the dead, he also realized that the Father had an ultimate plan uh, for all of mankind. And his plan was that even though some of us will physically die, what he's demonstrating through Lazarus is that we will be raised again. Do you all believe that today? Some of us won't even see death. That's the group I want to be in. I'm going to read that to you in a moment, all right? Now, let's keep going here. So now, so God hates death. Death is an enemy. It's not a friend. It's an enemy. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we'll read 25 and 26. 1 Corinthians 15, 25 and 26 says, For he must reign or rule until he has put all enemies where? And the last enemy that will be destroyed is what? All right, so let's understand something here. The phrase under his feet is referring to the body of Christ. Somebody say, that's us. So, so what is he saying here? He's saying Jesus must reign until he's put all enemies under his feet. That term or phrase under his feet refers to the body of Christ. So Jesus already conquered death, but this passage is talking about death coming under the feet of the body of Christ, which means, folks, death should not determine when we want to leave. All right, what I'll convince you of by the time we get to the end of this message, you can actually live as long as you want to live. 120 years was spoken in judgment. 70 to 80 years was spoken in judgment. 
spoken to the Jews, not to the church. I don't know if this group, can I even say this? I don't know if you all might stone me. But, but guess what, folks? We actually never die. Well, I'm not afraid of aging. It's a blessing. Celebrate your birthdays. Talking about I don't like telling people how old I am. You better tell people how old you are. It's a blessing to live another year. However old you are right now, would you just go in and thank God that you got a chance to see that number? Celebrate that. You look good at whatever age you are. All right, I'm building here today. I hope you're getting something out of this. All right, so now, so Jesus will continue to reign, and he'll reign through the church until he's brought all enemies under his feet. Guess what? Death is not the only enemy. There are two other enemies out here, and they are called poverty and sickness. John 10.10 tells us that the thief came but for to steal kill and to destroy there are three enemies out here death poverty and sickness so let me tell you what your enemy is trying to do keep you poor you know why it wants to keep you poor so that you'll get sick and you won't have resources or insurance to take care of yourself so that he can ultimately kill you early wake up Go with me to Galatians chapter 3. So it's not just death, it's also sickness and it's also poverty. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 and 14 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. You know what the curse of the law was? Poverty, sickness, and death. Scripture says Christ has redeemed us. That's past tense. Stop asking him to do something for you that he's already done. He's already healed you. So when, when you need healing, say, Father, I thank you that over 2,000 years ago, you've already healed my body. When you're suffering any level of financial lack, say, Father, I thank you over 2,000 years ago. You went to the cross and you became poor so that I might be rich. And I thank you that all of my needs are met according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about whenever sickness, whenever poverty hits your body, and whenever death hits your body, it'll take faith for you to receive this. We had a funeral on yesterday, a homegoing service on yesterday. One of our ministers, Minister Diane, she hadn't seen her mother since they swept the body away. So now the body is here. They're having a view, and it's an open casket. She comes down the aisle. She sees her mother, and she starts, oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Her skin looks so pretty. They did a great job with her. Her hair looks nice, and she looks like she's sleeping. Because guess what, folks? She really was sleeping. She was resting. There's some people that will say, we prayed for her, and she died anyway. No, she didn't. No, no, take faith to receive this, and she got healed. Not only did she didn't die, she got healed. She didn't get healed on this side. How many know there's no sickness in heaven? There's no disease in heaven. 
Come on, there's no pain in heaven. Come on, there's no more crying in heaven. There's no dying in heaven. You are not your body. You are a spirit that lives in a physical body. She had revelation that when her mother left, that spirit left that body, and that was the physical remains that was left. That was not her body. That was not her. We don't die. Her mother got healed. No, she didn't. They diagnosed. They said she died of this. No, she got healed from that and left that in the earth and went on home to be with God. It's a tough group today. I told you it would take faith to receive this today. Folks, even if it's sickness or disease in your physical body right now, you are in fear and doubt if you're sitting there saying, I'm trying to get healed. Guess what faith would say? From the crown of my head to the soles of his feet. 1 Peter 2.24 says that by his stripes I am healed. Somebody need to say that over your body right now. Somebody need to say, by his stripes, I am healed. You know what somebody told me last week? I'm trying to build faith in this room. I said, Pastor, you better stop shaking all those hands while those people are going out the door. You know that coronavirus is spreading. I said, listen. It's most likely they will get healed from coronavirus by touching my hands than me getting sick from touching their hands. Come on, I need somebody in here to believe what God said. Somebody, I can't remember, my daughter and I, we were talking about it. They're like, guess what? There's a, a case of coronavirus in Cobb County now. I don't care if a case of coronavirus was in Powder Springs. I cover this church with the name, the blood, and the word. I draw a bloodline around it that Satan cannot befall. And if the coronavirus touches anybody that's a member of Linked Up Church, it dies instantly. Glory to God. We will not fear that stuff. I'm not walking around here with no gloves on, no mask on. You might as well put a body bag on and walk around like a mummy. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. A thousand can fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but it will not come near me. If the Lord be for you, then who can be against you? Come on, somebody give God praise in this place. All of that stuff is under our feet. And Satan doesn't want you to know this, I promise you. That's why he keeps your mind in stinking, filthy thinking. People won't serve God because of what they did. People won't get involved in connect groups because of what they did. The greatest sign of spiritual health is when you're ready to help somebody else. You all getting anything out of this today? Let's move to letter D. Death is the consequence of sin. Genesis 2.17, I'll read here. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. 
Now, how do you know Adam didn't physically die when he partook of it? The literal Hebrew phrase there means, in dying, you shall die. So the death process begun. But Adam lived many years beyond that. So if you read gene genealogy in the Old Testament before the fall, and again, it's going to take faith to receive this, folks. Man, can I even say it? People were living 900 years, and God has not changed. We have. We've moved further away from God, so we have moved our life expectancy shorter. God didn't move. We moved. The 120 was spoken in judgment. It's a good goal, but we can go beyond that. By the time we get to the end of this, I will convince you that we shouldn't even put a number on it. Just keep living till you're satisfied. Go call all your kids, grandkids, great-grandkids, and great-great-grandkids and bless them all, and then just go to sleep. Letter E. Health and long life is revealed in the rapture. Let me show you this now. I'm building faith in here today. I'm building faith. I'm getting ready to say something in here. I, well. Health and long life is revealed in the, in the rapture. It's quite possible, folks, somebody sitting in this room or standing in this room will never taste death. It's possible to live in a way that you please God so much that he just takes you. Remember, God has not changed. So if he did it for Enoch, he can do it for Joel. And others of us, when he returns, we're going right up. We're going to meet him in the air. But guess what? Everyone who died before us, they're going to go first. Let's read it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. But I do not want you to be ignorant or uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those, notice the language that he uses here, who have what? Fallen asleep. Lest you sorrow as others who have no what? See there? For if we believe, what is the hope that he's referring to? For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who are what? Okay. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are what? Folks, I love my mother. This encourages my heart so much. Let's keep reading. You all don't know how much I love my mother. I miss her every day of my life. Believe it or not, it's my daughter looks like my mother. And so she reminds me she acts just like her. She got so, much, so many of her qualities. So it's almost like God loved me so much that he allowed me to hang on to a little bit of it. 
until we meet up again. That's just how good God is, folks. Okay, let's keep reading this right here. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will what? Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and thus we shall always be with the Lord. And notice what he says. Therefore, comfort one another with those words. Do you all understand that some of us can remain? You know what it says? Those that are alive and remain. That word there, remain, means that people can choose to stay here as long as they want to. Okay, it's going to take faith. In Luke chapter 2, do you all remember a man named Simeon? Simeon was an aged man, the scripture tells us, right? But the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit had told him that he would not see death until he saw the Christ. Do you all, anybody here know that story? Right? When Jesus was born, the scripture says that Simeon went into the temple, held up to Christ, thanked God for keeping his promise to him, and the scripture says after he uh, said those words over the baby, he handed the baby back to the parents, and he left. How I many you know he chose his departure? He remained because he wanted to see the baby Christ. My mother died three times when I was 15 years old. You know what she said the third time they revived her? She said, I can't leave here because I want to see my grandkids. She hung around until this one was five. My son was three. My nephew was five. And my niece was seven. She got a chance to spend time with all of them, and she left. I was in the hospital with her, and she said, I'm ready. I'm fulfilled. I've seen this in my life. Diane, Minister Diane told me her 87-year-old mother looked at her in the nursing home and she said, I don't want to fight anymore. I'm ready to go home. Folks, why are we trying to hold on to people when they're going to someplace far better than anything that we have ever experienced in this life? Okay. Are you all listening out there? Simeon chose to remain. I want to believe God with somebody in here that we're going to be a part of the rapture generation. Now, I just want to go up. Anybody else just want to go up? Right? But how many of you know everyone's not going to go up? It's possible. I wouldn't mind if I was preaching and just in a moment while I was preaching, it just gone. And then all of us just started flying. But how many of you know everybody, some people are going to still be sitting in those seats like, what happened? Somebody say, it won't be me. Say it like you mean it. Say, it won't be me. You better say it a little strong. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm serious. It won't be me. <laughs> All right, let's close right here for the day. I'm done. There are things that the Bible tells us we can do to live long. All right? And I'm close right here. Music department, begin to prepare yourself. 
the things the Bible tells us that we can do to live long. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3 says this. Children, passing translation, if you want to be wise, listen to your parents. Are you Open up your Bible, Joel. <laughs> Read. Children, if you want to be wise, listen to your parents and do what they tell you, and the Lord will help you. Notice there's no age on this. Just because you get grown don't mean you don't still honor your parents. I need a little bit of better amen in that in here. Because you get grown, you don't start talking to them any kind of way you think you want to because that will shorten your life. Let's keep reading, especially if, if you come from the kind of parents I come from. You know, they had language like this. I brought you into this world. I will take you. All right, let's keep reading. For the commandment to honor your mother and father was the first of the Ten Commandments with a promise attached. Watch this. Don't play, man. This is not live at the Apollo, man. I mean, you know, when they play that music on Live at the Apollo, that means they're getting ready to bring that stick out there. <laughs> I'll kill you up. I'm, I know what time it is. Stretch your hands back there towards him right there. I didn't ask for no music. I just said, get ready. <laughs> live at the Apollo, man. Watch this now. It has a promise attached to it that you will prosper and live long and live a long, full life if you honor your parents. Amen. I mean, you know, they may not be perfect, but they always deserve honor. Amen. I need a little better amen than that in here. Last verse for the day. Now you can start playing. Proverbs 10, 27 says in the New King James Version, the fear of the Lord prolongs your day. But the years of the wicked will be shortened. Let me kind of interpret that for you. The fear of the Lord is the worship of the Lord. The worship of the Lord is obedience to the Lord. That's all he's simply saying here, an obedient life is a worshiper's life. And when you're obedient and you spend your days in worship, God said he'll prolong those days. But the days of the wicked are short. How many of y'all want your days prolonged? Two keys there. Just honor your parents and maintain a reverence and respect for God all the days of your life where you want to honor him and obey him more than anything else. Did you all get anything out of this today?